I wanted to reconnect with my child that I hadn't seen. Her name is Aisha. I learned that my daughter passed while I was in treatment. I was on step three. I didn't even know she had died because I'd been too busy on the street, being angry with the world, smoking crack. If I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have the stigma. But crack cocaine for a black woman, the scorn is different. And in my culture, at that time, it was, it's a disgrace and, and disgust. Recovery has given me value. It's helped me understand my value as a woman, as a human being. Hello and welcome to 12 Steps and 12 Questions. My name is Silvio and I'm an addict. This pod is full of personal and inspirational stories of recovery from addiction. And in every episode, I'll ask each guest the same 12 questions about their life addiction and recovery. Quick warning, there will be some graphic descriptions and a healthy amount of swearing. For this episode, please welcome Angelina. Hi, Angelina. Hi. Thank you very much for coming and thank you very much for being part of 12 Steps and 12 Questions of this new episode today. Thank you for asking me. My and, pleasure um, indeed. It's my privilege to build service. Very grateful. Wonderful. Let's go straight into question one, which is... Did you have any adverse childhood experiences? I was I was raised in foster care. Um, and whilst I was in foster care, I experienced a lot of um, physical abuse. My mum was a very harsh, uh, very harsh woman. Um, and my sister was uh, very abusive to me. So she did a lot of stuff like, you know, she used to hit me, poke me, spit at me. Um, threw, she, she threw hot water on me. I I learned very quickly while living um, in this condition that, um, you know, if I got into favour with my mum, you know, if, because my mum was uh, a bit very temperamental as well. So when things were good, it was good. Um but she used to threaten me with with this, um, you know, uh, I'll put you in a home if you if if you don't behave and stuff like that. So I behaved. Sounds quite dramatic and coercive and abusive. Yeah, it, it was. But I think because I was a child at the time, I I didn't really. Well, there's not much I can do. Mm. And um, I lived with, I lived under this condition, uh, you know, up until, well, I think what, 16 is when I started to discover boys and whatnot. Yeah. But um, I, I was never truly happy. I always used to think I can't wait to get out of this house. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't wait to be away from these people. So there was some awareness there that this wasn't normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I got older, yeah. I can't stand my sister. I I I've never um I've never really gotten on with her. Um a lot of it is surface stuff today. My mum um I didn't fully understand why she behaved the way she did. I naturally I did honestly think that she she didn't accept me as her child because I'm not blood related to these to to my mum and my sister. Um, just for better understanding, are they blood related? 
Yes. I see. Yes. So I so I come from um so my my foster mum no knew my natural mum and her dad. Um my mum was friends, you know, this West Indian they all knew everybody knew each other, sort of thing. Very small community. So uh, my foster mum used to look after me on a regular basis, and then my mum just just didn't want me, and um, my mum went to the courts, the family courts, and she fought for me. Um, at that time, it was me and my brother, but my mum didn't have the space for my brother, so um, she chose me, and I I don't know where my brother is now, and that's how I got to stay there. So just. Sorry if I'm being a bit slow, but your mother couldn't keep both of you, your natural mother. No, my foster mum, sorry, I'm not, sorry. My foster mum took our case to the family court. I see. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me and my brother, mm. but my she didn't have the space in her house understand. for both of us. So she only took me. Yeah. And that's how I ended up being in her foster care sure. until the age of 18. Right. I had been living with my foster mum from birth, but I used to go back and forth to my natural grandparent. My mum, my natural mother, very rarely looked after me. Right. I don't even remember her, to be honest. Right. Do you know why she didn't look after you? Why she gave you away very much, quote-unquote? My my natural mum is a very shallow woman, and... uh, I don't know how true this is, um, but it has stayed with me for years. Because I think when you're a child and you're told something that is horrible, you kind of remember it and you carry it with you for you for the rest of your life. So the excuse that I was given why I was placed in foster care was because I was ugly. So um, whether it's true or not, it has stayed with me all my life and it's still with me to this day my my foster mum um did tell me this on numerous occasions and as i said when you're a child you 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 kind of just take it really you don't because you you know there's no way of getting out of a situation that you're in like that so I I did experience a few things underneath that roof. Mm. Um sexual abuse. And um I it took me a long time to um even out emotionally. It took me a long time. Um uh later in my later years I come to find out that my foster mum did have mental health issues. And that is the only saving grace she has from me, from my heart, because I know that she wasn't in her right mind when she treated me the way that she did. As for my sister, um, look, we, I, put it like this, I, I am polite, I am respectful. I speak to my sister like I would any other human being. Um, 
my sister can't hurt me today. Mm. You know, so I'm not scared. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm a grown woman, so I I I don't need to to uh, you know bring up the past and 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 you know get all emotional about it. I don't need to do that. I understand better today and um, I was able to process this stuff when I came into recovery because mm. that's the only place I did it. Yeah, I didn't do it before now. So to state the obvious, this is a, a childhood where a lot of stuff is very much stacked against you, physical abuse, you've yeah. even spoken about sexual abuse. You had an awareness that this isn't quote unquote normal, that there's something not quite right about this, you said. No, I knew. I, I, you know, I knew, I knew that the family weren't my family. You know, it made it obvious enough. And um, my mum raised me, and she, she raised, she, she raised me when my natural mum wouldn't and probably couldn't. Did you feel abandoned? I still do sometimes. I still do rejection, all that stuff. Yeah, I've... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and even now when I go and visit, I mean, I haven't been in a long time, but when I visit, I don't go with the mentality that I am family. I don't. I don't go with the mentality that I'm family. I go to see the woman that raised me. I have a lot of respect for her. And I've kind of turned out... I, I think I'm pretty decent. I think you're very decent. So, question two is... What did the moment look like when you first got hooked? What did the fun times look like? So here you are. Oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you've got this background... Um, very difficult upbringing, very difficult childhood, um, and 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 here you are coming into this world with this background. How did it carry on from there? What happened? Oh, well, I remember when I first met my children's dad, and he, I mean, he he's a couple of years older than me. So that would put him at 18. I was 16. And I mean, prior to that time, I was, I used to um, hang around with, with, um, her name's Lizzie. We call her Lizzie. But her, her house was like the go-to house. You know, the mum used to smoke weed. At, at that time, it was ash. We used to get little five pound, little I can't believe what you're talking These little five pound square floor tile looking type things and dark brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I used to think I was, you know, like, oh look at me, you know, but um and we used to sit around and bill a spliff and we'd you know, and that was my I've I've in at that time I felt a part of um, you know, and I felt accepted in that environment. In that house with yeah. the full mom. Yeah. The weed, the hash. Yeah. I've, you know, and. Was that um, your first drug, hash? Yes, yeah. Yeah. I've, because I've, I've, I've tried, um, I've tried ease. 
I've tried LSD. I didn't like that one. Oh, I didn't like that. Um, I have tried heroin. Oh, God, I can't do that one either. I am um, alcohol. Um, crack cocaine. Weed hash. If if it's there, mm. I'll, I'll smoke it. Mm. So the fun times. So you're in this house. You're having a good time. Yeah. How did it go from there? Um, I think I'd... It didn't really... It was kind of moderate for me. Um, I just... I used to have a, a spliff or half a spliff because I, my tolerance... Because I, I, I now understand that my tolerance was low then and, it, and you know, that, that was kind of okay. But when I met my children's dad, um, he was... What I now know is, is he was more like an adult. He did adult stuff. So, and his mum never really bothered with him like that. There were no rules, you know. It's not like we had to hide the 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 weed or 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 the ash or anything. He, he because she smoked herself. Um, she drank, and um, I kind of started drinking. Drinking is my primary drug of choice. Um, even though I smoked the hash, it was the alcohol that kind of got me, mm. I preferred. What did it do for you? Well, I, do you know what? I think the, the, the first time I got, I got drunk, I, I was, I didn't actually like it. I was on the floor. I was crawling. I was, I felt really sick. But it, 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 it made me not care about anyone. I knew I was going to get, I knew I was going to get probably a, a, a whooping, like a beating when I got home. I didn't That's care. Wrong. Yeah. But I didn't care. I didn't care. My mum, you know, and I, I did get in trouble. But honestly, I didn't care. And I went out and I repeated the behaviour again. You know, maybe not with spirits, but it was beers and stuff like that. And I just, it, it made me disconnect from my norm, you know, I was living in a house with people that I didn't really, didn't really get on with, you know, and for me, I didn't fit in there. I knew I wasn't family. I knew I, you know, and, 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 you know, they, the way that I was treated in terms of like, I was the skivvy. I did all the dirty work, you know, cleaned up the dog shit and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think I didn't care. So here you are with this new boyfriend, I take it. <laughs> right. And, you know, you see you're drinking a bit, you're smoking a bit. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then I, I got pregnant very early. I, I got pregnant with my daughter. Colette at 17. Um, Unplanned, I suppose. Yeah, not, nothing. Was, <laughs> it weren't planned. I I started rebelling. Like, I just never used to go home. I I was always at his house. I think even he thought to himself, because he said to me, like, hey, you gone home yet? And I'd be <laughs> like, no. I started, you know, and be, I, I mean, I was, I had behaviours long before that anyway, because I was, I, I used to bunk off school with Lizzie, because Lizzie, you know, that's, that's what we did as kids. We, we bunked off until I got caught and then I stopped doing that. 
but I just started to not go home and, um, yeah. Mm. So there were behavioural issues before that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, I I did a little bit of shoplifting. I weren't good at that. I got caught. But, um, yeah, and oh, because in, um, at home, I was like, I was quite withdrawn. I didn't really say much. Mm. Quiet. Mm. You know. So. And so your first daughter arrives. Yeah. And were you drinking? Were you smoking? Or did you manage to stop during that time? No, I, I stopped during that time. Um, I, because I, I didn't think I had any issues with drugs or alcohol I saw that as recreational um now when I look back at it I was on I was well on my way because I you know I drank a lot I smoked a lot the only the only thing was that I managed to stop um and then um obviously my end of care was coming up um so social services um, gave me some money. Um, I got a place, and they gave me some money to furnish it. I think it was like, I mean, I don't know how much it was, but um, it was put there for like end of care release sort of thing. So I I got this money and this flat, um, and then her dad moved in, um, and that's when the problems started. Mm. That's that's when my life just took, and I I never thought it would be like that, but it it, it really was. It took a turn. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What yeah. did that look like? I tell you what it looked like: empty bottles everywhere, cans everywhere, domestic violence between you and yeah, or yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. She was just it was miserable. You know, the flat was, and, and, and the flat was dingy. It wasn't like it was a nice, beautiful place to live. It was on the fifth floor, no lift. Um, so consequences are starting to appear. Well, it's not a good start to anyone's life. I mean, if you're, you know, I'm supposed to be transitioning into adulthood. And I, I that was no transition. When you that every day at this point? Uh, we both were, me and, me, me and Colette's dad. We both were. I mean, he, and unbe- unbeknown to me, he was a practicing alcoholic too. Mm. Um, we both drank. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not going to sit here and say that I never drank as much as him because I, I can't be sure, but we both drank. Um, I did make efforts to get a job you know, and have some kind of normality, but it just didn't materialise the way that I wanted it to. Um, I stayed with Colette's dad for 13 years. It's a long time. Yeah, 13 years I stayed with him. Um, yeah. And you had more children? So, <clears throat> I had Jacob. So we moved from uh, the first accommodation 
and they offered me another one. Um, <laughs> not much better. <laughs> different area. Um, different. It's, it's in Hackney. Um, on an estate. And I don't know. Maybe for a time. It was okay. Um, you know, you normalize this stuff. It's part of your, your thing. Um, but I was working. I, I did have periods where when, when I lived at the second accommodation, I did actually, I worked for Hilton in Islington. Um, I was employed there for, I think I was there for like two years. Um, so I was very early in my twenties. I couldn't have been on more than 23 to 25, mm. something like that. Mm. And at this point, you're drinking, you're smoking. Yeah. Um, so not so much the smoking, but the drinking. Um, and um, uh, my work life was fr every Friday, because Islington High Street is, is, is nuts. And at that time, it was lively. You had, you had um, what they call them now? Because I'm getting old. What do they call them? They're not bars. Lounges? But they had like, so you have the bar and then you have like the dance floor. Oh, you have like the dance floor. So we used to go there yeah. after work on a Friday and get pissed. Mm. And then, you know, we'd have to get up and come in the next day, you know. And I used to make it in. I thought I, thought I was, you know, oh, this is good. Mm. Um, it didn't help my relationship though. My uh, the dad didn't like it at all. Mm. Um, and in looking back at it now, do you think? Did you think of yourself at the time as being an alcoholic? Would you say that this was the <laughs> <a> moment? <laughs> Not at all, huh? No, I thought no. I thought I was out having a great time. I had, you know, if anyone told me I was going to be an addict, I would have said, "Oh, off." What's that then? Yeah, you know, because the thought, the thought of being, and it, the. The thought never came into my head because I never thought I was an addict. I thought I was someone who enjoyed a drink like everybody else. I went out and did what everyone else did, mm. you know. Um, there wasn't any real consequences for me at the time externally anyway. My, my issues at the time was... Um, the children's dad not really liking me going out to work because that meant he had to stay home and look after the kids. Mm, mm. But he was a control freak anyway, mm. you know. And uh, So you had no consequences at that time. When did they start coming in? Um, not too long, maybe a couple, a few years later. Mm. A couple of years later, I would say, consequences started to come. I can't remember exactly when social services got involved, but when they did, it was serious. I actually, so Lizzie, the one with the cool mum, she introduced me to crack cocaine. So I was, at that time, I'm going to say I was about 26. And I remember this. Um, and then I took it upon myself to go and seek out this drug. And I remember trying to find it and people looking at me going, what? <laughs> Let me get this straight. You 
were drinking quite heavily and you, there were some issues at home or quite a few issues at yeah. home and things. And you had somehow picked up that there's this drug out there called crack. Yeah. my So my, my friend Lizzie, her mum, she introduced me to crack cocaine. I had my first pipe in her house. And what was that like? I've never had a buzz like it since. Yeah. Never. Mm. In all the years I've I've used, I have never come close to that one hit. I think this is something we share. Addicts, all of us really, in, in one way or another, is that first time, it's like my first ecstasy pearl. It's a semi-religious experience. Yeah, it was. It, it. I mean, it was. It was wow. I. I remember looking at her and thinking, "This is all right." This, <laughs> but I've never. I've never experienced that feeling mm. again. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. I've been high. Mm. You know, but that's a different kind of high after that. Mm. You know, and and. The years that followed that initial, that initial first experience, it's actually worst. Mm. It, it, it's, it's not something you enjoy, you know. But that initial experience there, and I remember it was on a cup. She had it because I I didn't know what all this stuff was, you know. But I remember she she had it on a cup, and this little white thing, and. When she did that, I think it was about, it was a good while after that. I'm, I'm going to say at least six months after that, that I took it upon myself to go and look for this. Mm. And even the people that I asked looked at me and said, you don't want that. What do you know about that? And I was like, because I didn't know what it was called either. It was, I, I tell you, this is what I did, nuts. I don't even know why I'd even did it. I couldn't. I can't sit here and tell you why. I don't really know why, but I took it upon myself to go and find this stuff and find it. You did. I did find it. Hmm. You know, and it stayed with me for years. Yeah. Which brings us to question three: What were your worst consequences? And finally, your rock bottom. So you've had a few crack pipes. You experienced that incredible high at the very first time. <laughs> And then things progressed from there, didn't they? Oh yeah, they escalate. Nothing, nothing stays. You know, it, it it wasn't. You know, I didn't, I didn't use and feel. Well, this is great in the beginning. Yeah, especially when you've got money. You know, and and because I think for me as well, like I used with the same people. I never really stepped outside of that circle. And um, I quickly got to realise what you should and shouldn't do when you are smoking with people who you think are your friends because there are no friends in this. Mm. So what should and shouldn't you do? Don't leave your shit on the table. Don't let no one know you've got any money. It's just, it was things like that. And if anyone asks you for any sexual favours, say no. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's what it was. Mm. I I didn't know that that this this environment came with 
I don't know how to explain it. Conditions. Sure. Yeah. Is that is that the best? Oh, that way? sounds like a good one. Yeah, it comes with conditions. Mm. Within you know? rules. Yeah, and these rules, they're not nice ones. Mm. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say I didn't engage in anything because I, I did, mm. but looking back, mm. it's it's not a nice, uh, it's it's not a nice way to to remember because yeah. because what I actually did was I devalued myself. Mm. You know, all for the sake of what? Mm. In order to get crack, you mean? Yeah. 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 So it, the consequences came when social services found out that I was using. I've had my children removed, placed on the interim care order. That interim care order means that, you know, uh, social services take over uh, parental responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have no say. I've been removed from my family home and put on the street by social services. And the dad, who was actively being abusive, moved into my house. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like other addicts and alcoholics to hear it, then please make the pesky AIs and algorithms work their 12th step. Hit like and subscribe. That only escalated my using even more. Yeah. Because... Were you using every day? After a while, yeah. After a while. And I mean, and if I had no money, I mean, this kind of stuff, I I, I was around people that had all the time, somebody somewhere had something, mm. you know, and if if it wasn't this person, it was that person... And then I started going to different, different locations to use, you know, sometimes I'd be at one location for a week. Sometimes I'd be at one location for three days. I never, I didn't have anywhere to live. I was all over the place. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't know? see your children that time? Um, very sporadic. Yeah. Very sporadic. I saw them on and off, but it, you know, didn't have anywhere to live. Mm. Did you at some point in that time started thinking and get some awareness that you would deepen the shits, really. Yeah, but I'm angry now, emotionally. I'm angry. So, yeah, I knew I was in trouble. Mm. But I was also isolated. I felt isolated. Mm. I didn't have anyone to talk to. It's all good and well wanting to get out of a predicament but how? Yeah. Social services are not helping me. And my family think, think I'm, I'm, you know, especially like, uh, my, my, the children's dad's side of the family. I don't know if I was the pits, you know, because I, it's, it's a weird thing. If I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have the stigma. I wouldn't have the 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 scorn, but crack cocaine mm. for a black woman, mm. the the scorn is different, and in my culture and in my culture, it's it's at that time. I don't really know how it is now, but at that time it was it was it's a disgrace and and disgust and. Uh, uh, 
Do you know what I mean? And worse, because you're meant to be the mother, you're meant to be the nurturer, you know? How could you? Mm. And did you feel like you were letting your children down or were you just yeah. angry? All the time. Mm. All the time. It's a terrible place. I think so. And I, I, I think there are periods now where I think, why did I do that? Why did I not do that? I don't sit and dwell in it, but I do. I have these passing thoughts. Because I'm clean and sober today doesn't mean I don't, I don't reflect back and think. You know, there is, there's always, I, for me, I can't speak for anybody else, mm. but I think for me, I'll always carry a little bit of shame and remorse. I'll always have it. I don't think it completely removes. I don't think, yes, hand in, handing over your will to the care of God as you understand him, she or it, that's fine. You know, all this stuff is fine, but I'm a human being. I do have regrets and I put, I put myself through a lot of stuff unnecessary all because I wanted to be accepted and it's only when you get older and you're coming to recovery you realize actually you don't even need half this stuff it's all crap you're in this really difficult place so you're disappearing into crack dens for three four days at a time yeah, well it's all over the place mm. yeah mm. and then if we're coming to the second part of the question you're rock bottom or rock bottoms how did it progress then to rock bottom if there was such a thing, not everybody has them, of course, but how did it progress? I think rock bottom is uh, when I found out my daughter died while I was in custody. And whether it was because of my substance misuse or not, because I've had this conversation, I've, I've tried to go over it with other people that are familiar with my case. Um, and although, although I've been told it's not my fault and it's not that I want to lay the blame at myself but it's 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 because of the person that I was at that time mm. why my daughter died she didn't die at my hands but she died nevertheless mm. I can't explain the feeling in the pit of my soul. I don't think anything else has touched me as deeply as that. No. I don't care what's happened to me during my drug use. But that, it's altered my perception of people and my life. Of course. And, you know, Yes, I I I relapsed into because I, you know, I it's it's not like I don't want a better life. You know, I definitely don't want that one. But I I, okay, so I'm just gonna kind of just if you don't mind, I'm just gonna just explain this. So, um, as a con as as a consequence of my using as well. I have got two custodial sentences behind me, two. And I found out my daughter died on the first custodial sentence. So... For those people who are not familiar with the term custodial sentence. So I I was in prison. Um, I was jailed in 2011 uh, for... A, a serious crime, 
um, related to you using? Yes, I'll, I'll, both both occasions, yes. Um, it was violence, the first one. I received a sentence of five years. I was released in 2014. And I had two, and then I did the rest of my uh, my um, time on on license. Basically, I had probation for two two and a half years, and that probation finished in two thousand and sixteen. That probation finished, and then I and so in two thousand and fourteen, when I was released. I was released from custody and then I moved into a property and my son came to live with me. And, uh, well, both of my sons come to live with me. And life was good. Are you not using then? No, I wasn't. So you managed to stop? Yeah, I stopped. I stayed clean from 2011 to, to I'm going to say, the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, got myself into university. And at the time I was studying substance misuse with psychology and I was going to the University of West London. So quite a turnaround. It, it's possible. Anything is possible. And you did this without a programme? Or did you find the room? had you found the rooms then? Um, I'd found the rooms. I mean, I did. I'm, I was fortunate enough to do RAPT um, in custody in 2012. So I did I did a twelve step program in custody. Um I did it in HMP Send. What was it called? Oh RAPT. So it's Rehabilitation for Addicted Prisoners Trust. That was the name of the the twelve step program that was running at that time. It's now changed to I think it's forward first. I'm not sure. I don't really have much to do with them anymore because they've changed hands now they're not the same people as before but they are still running the 12-step program um in in hmp cent as far as i know so you 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 went to prison you found the solution yeah and you come out life's good yeah let's just pause there for a second and um i think i've confused the situation <laughs> not so <laughs> yes but then you then relapsed later on, and then you came into the rooms. I, rela- I relapsed, and um, so this this relapsed got me another custodial. Um, so I went back into custody, um, HMP Bronzefield at this time, and I was there from 2019, and I was released in 2021. When I was released in 2021. Um, I I was released into Kairos. So Kairos has these, um, they have a criminal justice pathway. So I was released and housed through them. Sure. And um, as a condition, you have to attend meetings. Right. And that's what I did. But I've been, I, I mean, I was familiar with meetings prior to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a sponsor prior to this. Did you, just to fill in the blanks a little bit. Yeah. Did you? So you worked the proper 12-step program while you were in prison. Yeah. But it was also around this time that you learned that your daughter had passed. Yes. So I, I, learned, I learned that my daughter passed while I was in treatment. I was on step three. 
So during the treatment process, um, I what happened was I disclosed to my my group that I was in treatment with that I wanted to reconnect with this with my child that I hadn't seen. Now my daughter was born in two thousand and four. Her name is Aisha. Um, I t- I took the steps the the necessary steps to find her. Mm. And it came back that she died in two thousand and seven. I'm so sorry to hear that. In a in a plane crash. So initially, when I heard the news, I didn't even know she had died because I'd been too busy on the street, being angry with the world, smoking crack. So that's my rock bottom. Okay, and I I mean, I know I deviated away from the question. And I think as well, with with my life, there's been so much carnage. The timeline, because it's it's that much. It's not linear. (laughs) No. But that's the story of so many addicts. It's, It's mad. It's the story of so many addicts. It's sometimes enough for two or three lifetimes. It's the back and forth. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've moved. Mm. I've done the geographicals. Mm. You know, I've I've done I've done all sorts. I just, I, sometimes I don't know how I'm still alive sometimes. Some of the shenanigans I've pulled during during my, my thing. Your question about rock bottom, there is no lower for me. And, you know, rock bottom for me is not about the external losses, you can replace them. It's your, it's your emotional house. It's your heart. It's your soul. It's your mind. I never want to feel like that again. Yeah. At your worst, and that's our question for: Did you ever want to die? Did you consider suicide? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, this my cycle was I'd use. I'd spend every penny. I'd be in debt. But the come down was horrible. Mm. And when you have nothing left, no more alcohol, no more cigarettes, no more dog ends, no more nothing. That's when this dread, because you got so abrupt now, and face the music for whatever bullshit, it's a nasty feeling. It's the worst feeling in the fucking world. It's, it's, it's dread. It's dread. It is absolute dread. Yeah. And I've I I have memories of not wanting to go out. Mm. You know, I have to leave the person's house, or yeah. I've got to go home, or to, if I've got one. But mm. do you know what I mean? I had to get up and do something. And I, I, there's days I've been in the same clothes for oh god a week. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's it. That ain't no life, but at the time, and as 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 sick as this sounds, if somebody said to me, "And here's a pipe," I don't feel dread no more. Yeah, that's gone. Start the whole cycle again, all over again. Mm. So, I always think that there is. Even if you don't actively try to take your own life, there is a suicidal aspect to the kind of using that we do. 
right? In other words, if you're smoking X amount of pipes, there is a suicidal aspect to this. You know you could go over. Yeah. And sometimes I wish I did. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, when you, I mean, I, I was in a position, I've, I've been in a position where like I've, you know, it's, it's not, it's not live. You know, when I, when I left the children's dad, I didn't meet anyone better. Yeah. yeah. I didn't move on yeah. to greater things. Yeah. I declined and I met somebody who was worse than him mm. and then worse than that one. And then that one and that one to the point where I retaliate and not I end up in jail for the I end up in jail. For the violence. For the violence. Against this man. Yeah. Well, you know, and um, I'm not condoning violence. I'm not saying what I did was right. But if I didn't, it might even have been me. You know, I don't want that lifestyle. Mm. But that is part of... Is, I, I don't know for any other females, I don't know, but that has been my experience. You know, any relationship I've had under that condition, violence has been a part of it. Some kind of violation has been a part of it, yeah. you know? So um, so you've done recovery twice, yeah. really, in a way. Yeah. During your first custodial sentence, and then again in 20... 21. Yeah, in 2019 to 21. Or 21 when you came out? I came out, Carlos. yeah, right. I came out in 21. Yeah. Um, but I've been clean since the 14th of January 2019. Yeah. And uh, uh, when you're in custody, you don't want what, you don't want what they've got selling in there. Uh, um, but yeah, and um, I'm, I'm fortunate really because, because I did the wrapped program yeah. in HMP Send, and I did that. I, I graduated from that in 2013. So that saved my life because that was where I, I understood the obsession and the illness, yeah. the disease of the mind, yeah. you know, the doctor's opinion. Because when I read that, I understood what was wrong with me. Mm. And before we get into, into the steps and into our, into our program, Question five, what other methods did you try to get sober before finding the rules? Oh, gosh. Oh, the reward system is the best one, I think. The reward system. Oh, you know, well, I haven't smoked for like a week or two. I just treat myself to a little cheeky one. You know, I've done the shopping. I've done the gas and electricity. Look how well I've done. Look, look, I deserve something here. And, you know... Rather go and buy myself a pair of shoes, yeah, you know, or a nice dress or something. I go on to go and phone the crack dealer, and I want I want a stone, you know, this little micro dot that just sends me nuts because now I want more. Yeah, and I, I've opened the door to this vicious cycle again. Um, so you tried moderation. I've tried moderation. I'm kind of hearing it kind of failed. Well, I made up for I made up for it because I smoked more. Um, I've done the geographicals, you know. Oh, this is this time it would di it's different. I don't know anybody, but I have a good nose for who for who smokes. I can look at you and think, and it's and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. I've stopped people in the street. Do you know, where I can go out and get something from. I'm new around here. They've gone. 
And they looked at me and I've gone, yeah, come on. Weird. Yeah. I, I, I don't have it anymore, but I used to, people would come up to me in the streets, you know, or you walk past like, you know, somewhere in a dodgy place, you walk past people yeah. and they're just nodding at you, yeah, winking yeah, at yeah. you, kind of, yes, mate, yes, yes, what, what is it, mate, yes, mate. Yeah. You know, I used to get all the time, I've lost it in the meantime. You know, I, I, I and sometimes I'm thinking like, sometimes I feel almost invisible, but it's a good thing, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. we find each other. It's, it's like an underground network. It's, um, but this is the thing, I, 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 I can sniff it out. It doesn't matter where I go. No pun intended. You're too funny, you. Oh. Um, so when you came into the rooms, first time and second time, right? yeah. and that is our question number six. Did you struggle with the word God? Yeah, I did. Mm. I, I remember I remember when I was in treatment and um, we used to go into this group room and um, they had the 12 steps on this on this long kind of scroll oh, yeah. hook thing. And I, I remember reading it from, you know, 1 to 12. And I was thinking, God, there's a lot of God in there. Like, <laughs> right. and I, was, I remember looking around thinking, what's this? Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, and I remember looking at it and I, 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 I was a bit intimidated at first mm. with the word God because I, I, my concept of God is this, you know, this punishing, you know, my my head at the time was like, you know, because it's about, being worthy and I've done so many bad things like ain't, uh, God ain't gonna forgive me you won't That's, like me yeah mm. yeah mm. yeah and my head started to go it's already working before I've had a chance to even understand what this thing is actually saying to me I don't struggle with the word God anymore yeah um, I don't I don't use it actually I I don't use the word God I've replaced it with good orderly direction Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what I aim for. Right. Daily basis. Which sort of brings us straight to question seven, really, which is how do you experience good orderly direction? How do you experience your higher power? How do I express my higher power? Sometimes if I sit still long enough, I don't want to sound like I'm mad here. Like I hear voices. I think, but... I think we're all mad. It's okay. <laughs> but... I, I kind of feel, um, I feel peaceful and um, if I'm seeking an answer to a question that I don't quite understand, it does come. Yeah. You know, I have moments of realisation, better understanding, you know, and I don't feel that internal turmoil, conflict anymore. I don't have it. I never thought I, w I would feel like that. A lot of the things that I thought mattered, don't. A lot of the things I thought I needed, I don't. Whatever I wanted, I don't want it now. It's okay. Yeah. And I'm not broken. Yeah. I, I still live. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, and I, I learned this, I learned and I, I gained a better understanding of this process when my sponsor took me through the steps. And I under, and I, I, I gained a more, a better understanding of my childhood and the processes that went with it. 
I gained a better understanding of myself. You know, I feel, I feel better. Yeah. I, f I do, I feel better. I'm not without, you know, I'm not, but I feel better. I, I just can't describe it. And, and my, my, this, this, this peaceful spirit that, that does sit with me. Cause, cause I, as well, I've got, to, I've got to say this, like, I take, I take it for granted sometimes. So I just, you know, I go about my daily business and I, I know I've been puffing and running around and whatever. And I don't take time and sit. Everything I have in my life is because of this. Yes. Same here. Everything, you know, so, um, and it's, it's, it's just a nice feeling that, that peace, my mind has slowed down a little yeah, as well. Yeah, I think peace of mind is, and, and peace in my heart, I think, are definitely the, the, the most important ways of me experiencing my higher yeah. power. Obviously, also just the mere fact that I'm not using or drinking or thinking yeah. of using or drinking. And it's, and do you know what? And it's, it's nice. It's nice to wake up in the morning and remember what you did yesterday. <laughs> you know, you know what you did yesterday. It's nice. But it's it's nice to to be a part of something normal, nothing, because that that that's that's I I can only associate it with darkness. Yeah, you know. So you've done the steps at least twice, I take it. Yeah, I've done yeah twice. Yeah, which part of the steps, and that's our question eight, were the most difficult for you? Ah, oh, step four. I did not like step four at all. When I did my first step four, I I did. I was thorough. Um, I I went in there fearless because I didn't have anything to lose. A lot of it was to do around childhood, mm. um, what happened, um, who who I think did me an injustice. You know, I, I had a lot of them. Mm. Me and my sponsor went through that. Um, no, I apologise. Me and my counsellor went through my step four. Because I was still in treatment when I did right. my first step four. Step my first step four. My second step four. I did it with sponsor. I've done three step fours actually. And in my last step four, I did it with Laura. Mm. Um, that one worked too bad. I didn't have many in that one. I was quite pleased actually. Um, Once you got a few out of the way. And yeah, and what I think for me as well, it's like it's it's the bit where it says, and where did you, you know, what hand did you play in it? Then mm. what was your part? And you know, it's it's honesty mm. and that, and um, yeah, I you know, it's it's not nice, you know, you know, you've done something you're not supposed to do. How did you encourage this situation, Angelina? And I said nothing. I don't want to write that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know, but uh, if you don't go through the process, you know, that's, I, I say step four is the hardest because it's cleaning house. Mm. That's what step four is. You clean house, no stone left unturned. Because if you don't, it's you're keeping something. Mm. And know? that will. And eventually, that. and eventually it will, and it will resurface somewhere down the line. None of us are perfect. None of us. Mm. But that process, I, yeah, I, I, when people say to me, I'm on my step four and I go, 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Step four was the most difficult for me too. And, <laughs> I, and the idea of admitting that I had a part in where I was clearly wronged, yeah, right? That's what I mean. I, I didn't want to go there. I did not want to go there, but go there I did, and thankfully I did. So now that you've done the steps a few times and you've been sober for a while and, and, and so on, our question nine is, which character defects give you most trouble? I've got a few. I've got a few defects. I'm very distrustful. E. Um, I'm getting better. I am trying. But I, I, I don't trust people at all. I've had too many bad experiences. I'm very sort of... Um, I do try. I try. I try. And, and I do talk to people. It just takes me a long time to... Open up. Open up, yeah. Mm. Just takes me a long time. Yeah. And um I'm a perfectionist um as well, which uh, which was brought to my attention. But I, I, I try to defend it. But this job that I do I did <laughs> that's what addicts do. They try to defend the behaviour. But I've learned um you can't be a perfectionist. You can't you can only do your best. And you know, so I, you know, um, and uh, judgmental. Yeah, sometimes when me and my children talk and they tell me about these girls, and I'm, yeah, and I get a bit like, is she nasty? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I try and not, I, I do try and I watch my defects. Um, but the distrustful one, it does, it does hinder me a little bit. Question 10 What is the best thing recovery has given you? Oh my God. The best thing recovery has given me is hope for the future. I can actually make plans. I can make plans, yeah. you know, and, you know, I can, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just nice to be able to, you know, like, I don't know, I said, um, after Christmas, I'm going to start, um, looking or exploring what options, where I can use my degree. I want to work with the criminal justice system. Um, what is your degree? So I'm I'm doing psychology with counselling, mm. but um I I'm sort of I'm I'm gonna wait for something to present itself to me. Not necessarily go and look for it, but I am going to explore. There's nothing stopping me from exploring different avenues. And I want to stay within the substance misuse, but I want to go in the prison system mm. to do it. But I wouldn't be able to speak like this or even even write the assignment that that needs to be submitted if I was using. Yeah. Because two lives... They don't go together. No, they're mutually exclusive. You know, mm. one counteracts the other. It knocks out the other, you know. And those who are trying to lead a double life always fail. You know, recovery has given me a better eyesight. I can see what's in front of me now. You know, when, when I'm when I'm high and I'm drunk, my vision's blur is blurred. I'm vulnerable. Yeah. I'm emotionally vulnerable. I'm pliable. 
I'm easily, you know, I, I, I go with anything, me, I'm all right, because I think it's okay, it's not okay, it's dangerous as well, mm. you know, I devalue myself. So recovery is giving me value, it, it's, it's, help, it's helped me understand my value mm. as a human being mm. and as a woman. And, you know, it's, I've got a life as well, like, my kids there. Well, they're not kids, but yeah, hope for the future. Wonderful. Question 11, what would you say to a newcomer or someone wondering if they're an addict? I'd say to the newcomer, give this a chance. You know, when I first, when I first came in, into the, the world of recovery, I, I, I thought, my first thought was, what, oh, people actually live sober? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, but it really is. And uh, if you don't give this a chance, you're stopping yourself from what your true potential is. Yeah, because you don't know who you, who, who you are underneath all that. You don't know who you are, you know, and that the using and the drinking will stop you and the consequences, some of them you won't be able to reverse. Give this a chance, give yourself a chance. And if you really want a life, you go, you keep coming back, you stay connected. If you're wondering if you're an addict, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you don't know whether you're an addict, You'll soon know if you're one when you've got the consequences piling up at your doorstep and you've burnt all your bridges. Yeah? Because it, it it comes. It's it's part and parcel of the baggage. Mm. Nobody uses and then comes away from a situation feeling feeling invigorated. Oh, we, we must do this again next week. You're broken. It doesn't work like that. And you you know, if 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 you are not experiencing that emotional turmoil, that guilt, that shame that comes. You know, the three-headed horseman that they describe in the big book, shame, guilt, and remorse. If you feel that every time you use, you need to find yourself in the meeting. And to our last question, question 12, what do you want your higher power, good orderly direction, to say to you at the pearly gates? Hi, Angelina. You finally came home. Ah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Angelina. Thank you so much for your honesty, for your pearls of wisdom and for your courage. Don't about pearls of wisdom. <laughs> what, what a beautiful message. Thank you. Thank you. We've come to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it and would like other addicts and alcoholics to hear it, then please make the pesky AIs and algorithms work their 12th step. Hit like and subscribe. While this pod is based on the 12-step recovery program, it's not officially affiliated with any 12-step fellowship. 12 Steps and 12 Questions is not substance or behavior specific. It's fully self-supporting and not for profit. And you know this next bit. It's not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization or institution. It does not wish to engage in any controversy and it neither endorses nor opposes any causes.